0: Hello and welcome to my Caravan Industry Insights Podcast. This podcast is for anyone working in the caravan industry, whether you're from a manufacturer, supplier or dealer here in the UK or elsewhere. So listen every week to hear insights, interviews and marketing tips to help keep you and your business more informed and successful. I'm John Rawlings, a journalist and communications expert with a lifelong passion for caravanning and 20 plus years PR and events experience in the car and caravan industries. From starting in the editorial team at Practical Caravan Magazine to working in the press offices at Vauxhall, Volvo and Volkswagen and now in my own business specialising in the caravan industry. Hello and uh, welcome to episode 20 of my Caravan Industry Insights podcast. Thank you so much for listening and downloading and hopefully subscribing as well. This week I've got a really interesting or very topical interview with a guy from Ford, Ryan from Ford, the Leisure Vehicle Manager. I think that's his right job title, Will he'll correct me in the interview. Anyway, he was a really nice guy and gave us a really, really good and deep insight into what his life is like at the moment, trying to match supply to all the customers that Ford has. So very topical, very int- very interesting, and very honest of him as well, actually. So I think you'll find this this one interesting. And this was inspired by, well, obviously, we all know about the supply chain issues affecting not just the caravan industry, but seemingly the whole world at the moment. But also because uh, you can't help but notice going around the Motorhome and Caravan show or the Caravan show in, in Düsseldorf, or just when I was on holiday in the summer, just how many motorhomes are based on Ford models these days? Well, the Ford Transit specifically, obviously. And uh, that seems to be very much at the expense of uh, Fiat, who have the supply issues with Decato have forced a lot of manufacturers to look at alternative suppliers. And I think Ford is the brand that seems to be doing particularly well and has stepped into to fill that gap and good luck to them really well done not i mean not only in the uk obviously in america it's uh, the ford transit is used as a lot for a lot of van conversions as well so it's a it's a global phenomenon so we'll come on to that in a minute but uh, they're talking of vans this week i've been out and about and i went to the uk press launch of the new volkswagen id buzz and buzz cargo so that was really cool. It's a gorgeous looking vehicle. So while I was there, having interviewed somebody from Ford, I, I definitely had to interview somebody from Volkswagen as well. So that interview will be coming up in a couple of weeks' time, probably early December, because that's when the ID Buzz is going to be actually landing in showrooms and with the first um, lucky customers. I would certainly love one. I, I love electric driving electric vehicles and it's just a fun looking vehicle all around, isn't it really? So it's obviously going to do really, really well. So that's that's really cool. What else have I done? I've been, I had my chairman of the Caravan Writers Guild hat on yesterday to at our first committee meeting with of the mostly new committee. So that was uh, interesting. That was two hours out of my day. There's quite a lot to do. One thing in particular I'm looking at and responsible for is, well, b- building up the communication. So obviously that's what I do. So I want to communicate the Guild to the industry more to, to sort of foster that relationship better and, and promote itself to the industry more. But also, I want to set up some training for Guild members. And we've talked about a couple of subjects, but if if you as the industry have any ideas or thoughts, suggestions on how caravan journalists in this day and age could do their job better, serve the industry better, provide you with a better service or whatever, please please let me know. Either reach out to me on... Instagram at Rawlings underscore coms send me a direct message there or on LinkedIn is where I am most of the time at uh, just John Rawlings or if you search John Rawlings Caravan if we're not already connected you'll definitely find me uh, or drop me an email John at Rawlingscommunications.com that would be that would be really cool and the guild has just printed its first or well, not first it's it's a new letter in touch it's the first time it's been printed for a while that's why I've got the, the word first in my head. We've been sending it via email for the last probably couple of years now, really. But we thought it was time, high time, to actually do a printed copy and get that into people's hands so you can sit and have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea and read it when it arrives, which should be within the next next week, definitely. And if you're in the industry and don't get it, drop me a line. We can always add you to the circulation list. Or if you prefer to get it electronically, let me know that as well. That'd be really, really cool. Right, so it's the middle of... November we've had Remembrance Sunday that means it's now definitely downhill however you like to call it. Christmas is looming very large on the horizon and I want to plan a bit of a special Christmas episode of the podcast. I've got a couple of ideas in my head but again very happy to listen to feedback from people out there. It'd be quite nice to do something a bit fun and a bit Christmassy so yeah I'm having some thoughts about that but any input from from listeners would and subscribers would be much appreciated drop me a line as i said before right i think that is all for now let's get on and listen to ryan from ford right this week's podcast we're looking at, at a particular brand that seems to have benefited significantly from the lack of supply of the Fiat Ducato, and that's ford and today's episode i'm going to speak to ryan Bowditch, I'll get him to check the pronunciation of that, who's got the great title of Ford Leisure Vehicle Manager at Ford Pro Special Vehicles. The, the popularity of Ford-based campervans is not just due to the recent supply chain issues in the caravan industry. The Ford Transit Customs certainly has been making inroads into the campervan sector as a legitimate rival to the ubiquitous uh, Volkswagen Transporter. In fact, I can remember back in 2013, I did the PR, Wellhouse well Leisure's, Launch of its Ford Terrier campervan at the October NEC show, which I believe at the time was probably one of the first conversions on the new Transit custom. So, yeah, that really is um, really ten years ago. So more recently, there's been a growing number of motorhome manufacturers in the UK and abroad using the Ford Transit as a as a base vehicle. For example, here in the UK, we've got Bailey uses the Transit for its Adamo motorhome range. Autotrail uses it for its F line last year, or was it this year? Autospeeper introduced a camper van the air on the Ford Transit Custom. And Swift has got its its Monza camper van on the Ford Transit Custom, plus the 2023 its launch launching the new Voyager on the Ford Transit. So, oh, and I haven't even mentioned Ford's own uh, Nugget model. So the Ford Transit is also popular populous camper van base across the channel and on the other side of the Atlantic. So we can discuss that as well. So is Ford going to still be its market dominance in the Lesbian set? So let's have a chat with Ryan and find out his views on this. Hello, Ryan. How are you? Hi, John. I'm very well, thank you. Pleasure to meet you. Did I have a chance? Did I pronounce your surname correctly? It was a bit an yeah. new,
1: one. Yeah, you did. Yeah, it's Ryan Bowditch, Yeah, I've, I've get called many things, but
0: uh, yeah, you got that spot on. Walder. Well <laughs> <laughs> and I love your job title, Leisure Vehicle Manager. That sounds that sounds pretty cool in my books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is.
1: It is a very cool job title. There's uh, there's a lot of hard work that goes on behind that job title. But,
0: yeah, sure. Awesome. So tell us tell us a bit about yourself. I know that you've been at Ford for a remarkably long time, yeah. and uh, so tell yes, give us a bit of brief. Brief bit of your history.
1: Yeah absolutely so yeah I've worked with Ford for over 18 years now in total it, it was almost my first job coming out at my at the time A levels. So I started off by doing a, a Ford apprenticeship certainly in this this area of the world down here in Essex Ford apprenticeships is very very well known. Mm. I mean, you, oh, you can't really sort of walk a number of yards before bumping into someone who's actually worked at Ford at some point in time around here but even to the extent where there's many apprentices as well. Right, uh, I, I did a I did a four year apprenticeship. So I did a lot of that down. And I'm sure everyone will know about Dagenham and the leagues, very well known place. Yes yeah I had strong really strong links to Ford. Mm-hmm. So I spent I first of all spent a couple of years doing it lots of all the all the mechanical type stuff, bench fitting, sheet metal work, working on lays, all of that that fantastic stuff. So I built, built my sheet metal toolbox, lunchbox, all things like that which I've still got in the garage. So I, I love to I love to look at them every now and again and some things like that, bring back some good memories. And mm. then spent a couple of years learning all my prototype mechanic skills, tearing apart vehicles, gearboxes, engines, putting all those things back together. Hopefully, after I put them back together, they did actually work. Most of the time, they did. <laughs> I also, as part of that, also got to spend time in four dealerships
0: as well. So, okay.
1: Um, probably for the best part of six months working working you know with the dealers hand in hand doing all of the stuff that they do uh, as part of that service. and then so that was four years. I then spent uh, a couple of years down in what we call dyno test cells. so at dump. Where I'm, where I'm based, which is the, the home of commercial vehicles for Ford, but also, you know, powertrain centre of excellence as well. I worked down in the dyno test cells, where we actually spent time running these prototype engines. And I remember very well when I first went into that department, we was then testing out the brand new one-litre three-cylinder Fox engine, which, of course, is in many, many thousands of vehicles now. So I was, I was at the forefront of the development of that. That's uh, good. I was was in there blowing up engines, (laughs) back together again, sweeping up the mess, all that stuff. (laughs) And the test technician for for, for doing that as well. And then the bulk of, you know, the bulk of probably the last 10 years or so, I've spent in commercial vehicles, initially working commercial vehicle product planning. So that was me working on, you know, on the strategic elements of what are the future products, what do we want them to be, you know. What is it we want to achieve with these products? How do we best meet the needs of our customers? And then, you know, ultimately turning those into, into a reality. And then really it's only been, so only since April of this year that I've moved into this role as the, as the leisure vehicle manager for Ford of Europe, which has been a, an exciting change. So I've really spent most of my life in product development. Yeah, uh, This really is my first time in a, in, in a marketing and sales role. So it was, was a big change.
0: Okay, and is this a new role at Ford, or some, was there somebody doing this before you? It's a
1: relatively new role, so I've got there was one predecessor to myself, and fantastic lady called Michelle. She she started this role last year. And she was in there for a year before she's now moved on to to other other interesting opportunities. Right. Uh, so I'd through my other jobs, I'd actually spent a bit of time working on things to do with the leisure industry and camper vehicles. And I think that's how I sort of got my name known as being interested in this job when it came ah, up. All right.
0: Yes. It, yes.
1: It was. It was good timing. It was something I was interested in, and when the job came up, you know that I could work on this pretty much, you know, as, as my full time job. I said yes, please.
0: Let's do it. Cool. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. So that's interesting. that Ford is giving giving that much focus on the less vehicle sector.
1: Yeah. Ab- absolutely. So I think. It's interesting because so I'm part of the Ford Pro Special Vehicles team uh, based at Dunton. And if I go back probably five, six years ago, in terms of the dedicated people working on converted vehicles as a whole within Ford of Europe, was actually one person. One person, again, another lovely, lovely lady called Marina, who, who I remember very well. We are now a team of probably in excess of 25 dedicated team members working across a whole Whole spectrum of the the conversion industry. So whereas I'm dedicated to the leisure vehicle business, we've got other team me- members dedicated to blue light vehicles, to because oh, yeah. construction, all of that stuff as well. Yeah. But I think it became apparent, say, you know, probably more than a year ago, that Ford really needed a dedicated leisure vehicle manager because you know, for Ford, the business. Has been growing and it is still growing. It's moving off of a relatively low baseline, yeah. Uh, but given given the direction we're moving in, it absolutely needed someone dedicated
0: to the business. So you are purely, as a, as the a title says, leisure bit. You're not into you into any of the other conversions there. A- absolutely, I'm totally
1: dedicated to to leisure vehicles. So I effectively my my role is to wake up every morning and think about nothing but <laughs> leisure vehicles for for Ford, Ford of Europe and. Our- <laughs> How I can best grow and and you know support that part of the
0: business. Okay, so you literally cover all of the, all of Europe, all of the European markets and manufacturers.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you see yeah. So even even though I'm I'm based here in the UK, so the UK is where we've got our commercial vehicle centre at right. our Dunton campus. I'm I'm effectively responsible for the whole of the whole of Europe. So you know. Predominantly, I think with you know with my experience and where our, our key customers are really covering sort of Italy, Spain, France, Germany, mm. and of course the UK amongst that as well. Okay, we've got just to say we've got while I work at say more of a European level, we've got actually a, you know a team of people within the markets as well. Right. Some of them, some of them are dedicated to the leisure business, but there's there's a lot of people out there as well that are more general conversion based right. supporting leisure
0: yeah so yeah so I think I told you I used to work at Boltz I was the PR manager of Boltz so in commercial vehicles for yeah. nearly five years so we had well obviously they had their own California and stuff but there was definitely one person there but I think he looked after all conversion type things so motorhome people and lutein bodies or whatever it was uh, yeah and the blue light sector as well Brilliant. yeah very important well, that's interesting you cover Europe as well do you do a fair amount of traveling or is this all on zoom these days no, so I think lucky enough again, so when I started
1: back in April, I think we were you know starting to emerge from the world of of the pandemic. A lot of my previous you know experience before that you know, the other two years before that in, in my previous job was you know clearly ninety nine percent on uh, on what we use at fort webeck but the the great thing is is since you know since April this year I've been able to get out and I've been able to travel quite a lot. Yeah. Probably a little bit more than what my, my family would like me to.
0: Uh, <laughs> but I guess you're building relationships at this stage and getting to see everyone. Once you've met them, then you can zoom a bit more, can't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the key thing. And, you know, it was great with the all the shows in September. So I managed to get to, I think, the three biggest, Dusseldorf and Palmer and, and Labor. Oh, yeah. And, and the funny thing was is that even though, you know, for example, at Dusseldorf, I was there for the best part of four days, mm-hmm. I think in terms of free time to look around the show, I think I probably had less than two hours.
0: Wow. Because
1: <laughs> all yeah. my time was literally going to meet, you know, meet people, sit down, see their products, get to know them, and really build, build relationships, which is a, a massive part of this, of
0: this job. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and do you have, as I mentioned, anyone doing your role in in America as well? Because I know that the transit's being used by the likes of Winnebago and quite a few people. That's a growing sector out there as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah, abs- absolutely. And and yeah, we've got we've, we've got Ford Pro is effectively a, a global organisation, so right, I'm looking after uh, commercial vehicle business. So I'm a specific yeah. European part of that. So I don't yeah. I don't have any direct involvement with what happens out there. Like, but we've absolutely got the team out there, you know, working with converters. I would say in a similar way, probably not exactly the same because the American market is, is different to Europe and the way they operate is slightly different. The, the, the product requirements from the customers can be slightly different. Right, and so yeah, there's there's synergies, but there's differences. Yeah, I'm sure. There's uh, but uh, I think you know it's it's interesting with some of the customers that I'm working with now. Just take for example, mm. you know, the Irving Harrier in Germany, obviously part of Thor. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. Big in the US, so I think yeah. I can see that. You know, the vision moving forward is perhaps those synergies will grow. Yeah. You know, transit transit is very strong in Europe and transit is very strong in North America as well. So I think we'd look for any and all opportunities to try and grow synergies where we can. Mm-hmm. But I think at the same time, I think it's good that we run a European business and, you know, we support the European customers in, in a specific way as well.
0: Yeah, I get that. And when you're meeting with these as a different brand manufacturers, are you just discussing, well, obviously future product associations, but are you mainly discussing volumes or orders and mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, everything fine tuning.
1: Yeah, I think, I think at the minute, what, what this year has really been about for me more than anything is it's kind of growing, growing the business. So we're still, we're still forward. If you look at the data, I think if you go back two, three years ago, we was, we was typically about the fifth largest OEM in, in the leisure industry. Yeah. We're growing that now and, and we're finding that more and more. With everything going on in the world, and I'm sure we'll get into a bit more detail on this in a minute, but with everything going on in the world, a lot of customers are picking up the phone, wanting to talk to Ford to start to do business. Right. Uh, There's a lot of relationships that we've been working on for many, many years. Yeah. And now is the time where I think that door is opening to to make some of those partnerships a, a reality. So we're a lot of my time this year has, you know, been talking not only with you know existing customers and how we support their business, you know, how we provide them with new products. One of the products they want, one of the products they need, you know, what, you know certainly a lot of discussion around volumes. And yes, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that. But also, there's there's the rather, you know, it's relatively limited, but there's certainly onboarding of new customers and new affiliates within the groups because obviously the, the leisure industry is a is a is a very complicated one in that we have a number of very large groups yeah obviously the Trigano group just had to know. And yeah the Trigano group. there's probably in excess of what i don't know 25 affiliates all spread out across across europe so i'm getting yeah. new affiliates within the groups as we start to start to grow the business with them
0: right that's good uh so you've joined you're taking started your job at the right time really with with the supply issues of Working in Ford's benefit, and you can you can just table the benefit yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. It's interesting because again, I think I think there's several factors here that have, have you know played into a really good opportunity for, for Ford. I mean, yeah, the, the leisure in, in, If we go back pre-pandemic, the leisure industry was was still really strongly growing, and I think it would have got to a point where, in any case, for converters to single source to one OEM was going to be challenging. Then the pandemic hit and leisure industry just went crazy. So mm-hmm. it became, I think, unsustainable for, you know, single sourcing to one OEM. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. the supply constraints hit. Mm-hmm. And on top of all of that happening in the background, we, I think we as a Ford team have been getting stronger and stronger in our, in our special vehicles team within our Ford Pro organisation. So I think I think we've got really strong products out there. We've got the team out there to support the customers. And it's not only within Europe but within the market. But I think with all of those factors combined, it just then it's just exploded for Ford, right? It's just the business has just gone got incredible.
0: So is your supply pretty good at the moment? I mean every every manufacturer had microchip issues and stuff, Ford included obviously, but are you uh, how how is it going with you? Is
1: is supply good? I think that's the, the easiest answer to that and the simplest answer is no. So right, supply is unfortunately not good. Still a bit tricky. Oh, that's well, an understatement of the year. <laughs> that one, John and uh, I'm sorry, about, yeah, yeah. And I think I think it's always difficult to compare. I get like, obviously I hear stories about how the other OEMs are doing, and you know, yeah, it's it's difficult to compare. But you know, if I just take my personal experience, a lot of my time in in my first six months of this, of this new role has been about managing that supply situation right it is is very very challenging at the moment it's fair to say i'm not seeing much light at the end of the tunnel i'm always optimistic i always try to remain optimistic there's the future have to be. yeah i've got to hope that 2023 is a better year than and 2022 when it comes to supply but if i just look at what's happening in the immediate term it's it's still really really challenging and and the thing that that you know i I wrestle with on a daily basis is you know, the, the impact that has on our customers and their, and their businesses. Mm-hmm. Devastating, right? It's, it's yeah, really, really difficult for them. You know, I've got, you know, customers out there who, who call me up to say, look, if we don't get any vehicles tomorrow, we've got a number of staff who we're going to have to potentially, you know, send home again because they've got nothing, nothing to do. And to work on. Yeah. So, and so the pressure, you know, the pressure really is on. And I think we've, you know, we've tried to manage the situation as best as we can. I think the, the key thing from Ford is that what we won't do is we won't just drop a customer in terms of you know pick him up the phone and say, Look, we said we was gonna do this, we can no longer help you goodbye. That will just never happen to Ford and it certainly won't, won't ever happen to me, right? We'll we'll do our very best. Mm-hmm. We might not be able to give you exactly what we was hoping to give you. Mm-hmm. But we will do our best to give you something to keep, you know, to keep the business moving forward, with the vision that things will get better and then we can, you know, we can grow from there. But yeah, it's it's really it's really tough at the minute. It's been it's been a bit of a baptism of fire these Yeah in this job. Gosh, I don't envy that. That sounds, that sounds yeah, quite a nightmare
0: basically. basically.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think let's say I think as much as it's a nightmare for me, I, I absolutely feel for you know all the converters and the customers I'm working working yeah. with. It's a, night, a nightmare for them because I think the, the I think the key challenge is the inability to really plan because it's one thing to be short of supply, but it's another thing where I actually you know we struggle sometimes to confirm exactly what's happening next month or you know in the next three weeks it's a case of look we we don't we're not too sure at the minute because we our policy has always been to keep keep the pressure on the suppliers keep you know keep them honest and keep them you know pumping the chips and parts components into the factory Mm -hmm. but by doing that we we work on a very last minute Basis. So that can mean sometimes that we're making decisions this week that affect the business next week, and I think it's that it's that element of uncertainty which really really is challenging to to manage. But we've got we've got views as to how to improve on that going forward, and we keep finding opportunities to to work a little bit better. We've got team members now, even within the special vehicles team who are dedicated to to working out these these challenges. So I, I hope with everything that we're doing and with with hopefully better global better global situation next year, fingers crossed that's we yeah. will be
0: a better place. Yeah. Is it harder to get right hand drive vehicles, for instance, than vehicles to go into the rest of Europe? Or does no, that make a difference?
1: No, right hand drive, left hand drive is 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 at the minute tough, let's touch on not <laughs> a problem. It, right. It really is around, you know, components that, more so around the components that have these semiconductor chips in them. So it certainly impacts things like higher series vehicles. Of course, all the vehicles are moving to having, you know, big screens, infotainment systems, high end driver assistance technologies. Yes. And all of that just consumes many, many chips. So we, we tend to find that we have constraints on certain elements such as large screens or or you know things like that Mm -hmm. Uh, but what we've what we've been doing is over the the, the last number of months probably longer is to try and update our product specifications to try and be flexible in that if there's a part that we know we're short of can we remove that part from the vehicle and still ship it to a customer. So is a customer happy taking a vehicle without a radio, for example, which in the world of the leisure industry actually does work. Right. Okay. extent. Yeah. So we we do try to find ways to to say to manage. I think the the key thing is, is, you know, the the statement I always get back from the customers is, look, just send us a vehicle. I even had one customer said, look, even if you can only fit three wheels on the the vehicle.
0: And that's the point. It's just finding ways of doing that. Very frustrating. I mean, mean, frustrating to your customers, but really hard work for the people at the factory trying to plan production as well. I don't know. Yeah, that's mind-blowing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I've been been very fortunate this year that, you know, amongst my travels, I've I've visited several several fantastic factories. And you can, you know, you hear the challenges they're facing because, just take one example, you know, they're used to batch building these vehicles, clearly, they'll get a batch of thirty vehicles, and they'll be a yeah. set kitchen layout, set furniture layout that they fit into that vehicle. So they they will all of their other parts,
0: yeah.
1: Is yeah. Of course, one of the fallouts of the supply situation is that you know maybe I can ship a number of vehicles to converter, but it might not be the thirty that they were expecting or hoping
0: for. Oh, dear. Now,
1: they then have to then change the way in which their yeah. the rest of their supply chain, yeah. And do one of these and then one of those and then one oh, of those I mean, it's have they got the right parts at the right time so yes yes again it's just another another factor to uh, to consider but yeah everyone's everyone's working hard to do the best they can but yeah we're not we're not through it yet
0: oh well good luck with all that <laughs> I, I i tell you i drove a uh, motorhome on a Ford Transit, the Bailey Adamo down to France in the summer, yes. and uh, yeah, I was really impressed. And as anyone, I was driving it; it was lovely with the automatic transmission as well. The uh, and then I noticed how many more Fords there were on the road from Chausson or other yeah. brands. There seemed to be lots on the on the French auto route, route, and I realised actually, yeah, it has really grown in popularity, hasn't it? Yeah, but they were, they were more motorhomes, I suppose, than, than van conversions. But yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. I, I remember going to one of my first leisure shows. In you know probably about six, five, six years ago now, in, in a previous role, when I first started to do something involved with with the leisure business back then, yeah, it, you know you went to somewhere like Birmingham or Düsseldorf or or any of the big shows, and it was almost like you had to find the Ford. You couldn't find the Ford. It wasn't you know it wasn't obvious. It like it might be tucked around the back, and you might find one or two here or there. Yeah, yeah. Really had to hunt for it. But the, you know the fantastic thing now is when I went to all you know all of those shows again. September, you you know, you clearly don't have that uh, that challenge anymore. You know, Ford is you know really really prominent now, and and that's fantastic, right? It's 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 great that we've got so many partners and converters out there wanting to to work with us, and it, and it's great that there's so many end customers out there wanting to buy Ford vehicles as
0: well. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, well, I'm pleased to see the number of new game manufacturers now as well. I'm going to the NEC show next week which will be uh, i think there's uh, actually i think this episode will go out a week or two after the ncc show but i'm definitely looking forward to seeing that the new swift range
1: it looks looks really good yeah i've worked i've been working really closely with with the swift team since exactly. since i started back in april yeah i've also been very lucky to to go up there and and again meet them face to face you know i had a tour of their you know fantastic factory yeah mm-hmm. Up there, just just in Hull, we've been working with the Swift team, supporting them both on their new Voyager, which just won an award.
0: Oh, has it? Probably
1: I mean, no, yeah. Uh, Already, just recently won a, a an award. So, kudos to Swift, Well done to yeah. the team there, yeah. And also, of course, on on the new Monsel. Uh, yes, as well. they their, their one tone camper van. So they've so they've got they've gone into Ford in a big
0: way. That's good. Yeah, they've absolutely have yeah we've got a great great relationship building with them so is your overall aim then to become a market leader in this
1: sector it's it's an interesting question i would say it is not necessarily our our direct ambition to become number one in the leisure industry ford you know ford are really really strong in other segments i mean typically if you think of a ford transit it's it's more of a workhorse yeah you can't you can't travel anywhere in the UK without driving past a number of Ford Tipper, no. for example, on the side. Oh yeah, by, uh, yeah, like that. So we, you know, we've we've got really strong business in the in the more traditional commercial segments, which we'll continue to support. Mm-hmm. But we we certainly want to grow the leisure business. We certainly want to you know have larger volumes than what we've historically seen. So you know, supplying into the industry. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't necessarily say we're going to become number one. And I, I, I wonder if moving forward, if, if being number one doesn't really become a thing anyway, John. And what, what I mean by that is obviously in the, in the past, there was one very dominant OEM. It was, it was fear, right? Yeah. Antis Group. But I, I would get the impression that, you know, I think a lot of converters have, have you know, realised that that was not necessarily a good strategy. Uh, right yeah uh, in terms of supply you know almost all your eggs in one basket yeah and I would think going forward what we'll see is that from a leisure industry perspective is is a bit more of a normalization across a number of OEMs as you see a kind of a more mixed supply into that okay that makes a lot of sense yes but mm. just to say we might we might not be let's say we might not be necessarily number one when it when it comes to volume. But we certainly want to be number one when it comes to, you know, best supporting the needs of our, our customers and their businesses. So in terms of the service we provide, the quality of service, the quality of product, you know, the, the general way in which we build the relationships, absolutely do we want to be number
0: one. Okay, that's good. And uh, certainly you can't talk about future products as such, but I know that at the IAA show in Hanover, there was, there was a, a new Ford Transit custom, is that right?
1: yeah absolutely and that and that that was really exciting to to see that because i i actually in two jobs ago now I actually started working on that project the new transit custom I think I want to say it was around about two thousand and sixteen so it was it was a long time ago That's a while ago yeah yeah and, and that was when I was back in my planning planning job and we was again we were thinking about you know what is this next generation product going to be, what do we want it to do, how do we want mm-hmm. it to look? et cetera et cetera so to now zoom forward six years, which have gone past in a flash, yeah, and to see it launch at, at Hanover was was fantastic. And I, you know, I think it's, I think it's a
0: fantastic product. I don't know how much of it you saw, or well, I didn't go to Hanover. This that have been haven't been for a few years, but it, so it looks familiar. Is it more of an evolution than a completely new vehicle? Is that right? Well, so I, I would say what it does is that is the new
1: Transit Custom takes everything that we know and love from the existing transit customer and it supercharges it really it's it is an all new product so it's, it is it's, it's a completely new architecture and it brings with it because we've been able to say build it off of a completely new platform new architecture it, it means there is significant improvements and and you know things that you know i think are really relevant for the leisure industry things like a lower floor height in the vehicle so it makes it easier to get in and out of the right vehicle. right yeah we have now got a flat floor in the vehicle. So any, any converters out there that are experienced with working on Transit Custom today will we know we've got this thing called a waterfall that sits just behind the front seats, which is like this step. Which, of course, you know, when you think of it as being a van, it's not really a problem. But when you think of it as a camper van and you actually look yeah. from the front to the back, it all yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, that's all now nice and flat. The cab area has got a flat floor. It's all cleaned up so you can walk through the cab walk back all nice, perfectly set up for, for a camper. That's good. And, and then, of course, we've got, you know, the latest infotainment system, you know, sync system, latest, latest connectivity, driver assistance, technologies. We add all-wheel drive capability, which, again, is great for, you know, those those campers out there that want to go a little bit off-roady. Yeah. And, you know, probably the most important element of, of this perhaps is the fact that as well as the powertrain, we'll, we'll be
0: launching a, a electrified vehicle lineup as well with a BEV and a PHEV. Right. Okay, that's interesting. And how far off is this? When when does it arrive in the UK?
1: Yeah. So I think, uh, all being well, you'll start to see these on the road from second half of next year. So okay. it's not not too far away at all. I think I think there's lots of details out there in the press now. So we had the big launch in Hanover. Yeah. I think a lot of people have got excited about that. Really looking forward to, to seeing lots of them on the browser this year, and especially but, looking forward to seeing some of the some campers as well.
0: Yeah, I bet. So the the camper campervan converters at the moment using the Ford Transit Custom are they going to have to redo their whole interior then, or is it is it size wise going to roughly fit?
1: I th- I think, at least from my understanding, I think it would be a new it would be a new interior. Right, dimensions are you know similar in in some respects but they will be they will be different so i'm i'm sure, sure. yeah and i'm i'm sure they'll they'll take what they've done on on the existing transit custom and they'll they'll have to modify it to fit right but i think certainly from what i know about the, the product to the industry i think the, the new transit custom is going to be an an excellent base product for a camper conversion i think it, it ticks a lot of the The boxes, it's certainly in terms of size and geometry, you know, as to what you'd, you know, how you'd want a a Camper Donor
0: product to be. Do you do a special spec for converters? I don't know, with electric points in the right plate, electric wiring and harnesses and stuff? Yeah. So I think.
1: So, well, so first of all, we we have special, what we call special vehicle options. So if you're a converter and if you have the need for something that's, uh, you know, a little bit out of the ordinary, then you can actually order certain special vehicle options and and you can find those through the dealer, through the brochure. And that supports any number of conversions, whether it's a camper conversion or again, something more for construction or utility-based refrigerated vehicles, et cetera. Oh, yeah. One of the things that we are doing as part of the Next Generation Transit Custom is where we're making sure we set ourselves up internally to more strongly recognise the the camper business. I think it's fair to say that on the existing Transit Custom, as a converter, if you wanted to turn it into a camper van, for the most part what you're, you're doing is you're going and buying a van from Ford or yeah. a, what we'd call a combi. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we offer the option so you can delete the seats, you can add swivel seats, things like that. So it starts to move towards being camper. camper. Yeah. What we've done internally from, from the, the Next Generation product is we recognise not only have we got a van, a double cabin van, a combi, a bus, mm-hmm. uh, we also now have a camper donor. It's there in the world of Ford, which to most people you we think, well, you know, doesn't sound like much, but in in my world, it, it actually means a lot. So it gets recognised, you know, as the important part of the portfolio that it is. And it does allow us to do a little bit of tailoring when it comes to things like specifications and options, specifically to suit the needs of the camper converter and the camper customer, which is
0: great. Okay cool. Did you say that you're, you're not responsible for the nugget? Is that all done completely separately? Yeah, that, that's yeah. right.
1: But that that's the strange thing about my job. So obviously the, the nugget is probably obviously this, a Ford but, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> the Ford Leisure vehicle. It's the most one Ford Leisure vehicle and it is the one and only leisure vehicle that I'm not responsible for and, and the reason for that is it's what we call a one-stop shop product. Okay. So, the difference being there is that my my job is really around supporting converters with donor vehicles. Mm. Where those converters will then sell through their their networks and their channels and their dealers wherever yeah. they are. Whereas obviously the nugget is actually we work with a partner which is very well known, Westphalia, Yeah. Who convert that product on our behalf, mm-hmm. and then we sell that product through our dealerships through the Ford. Networks. so that's that's what we call a one-stop shop yeah so you don't need to get involved in that at all really I not in my new job but the interesting thing is is that in my old job when i was when i was working on part of you know next generation transit custom projects and, and other things as well i actually did do quite a bit of work with the the team out in westphalia so i did before now i've sort of moved away from it a little bit <laughs> and i keep an eye on what's going on there yeah but yeah, we've got, we've got a real, you know, great partnership there with, with the Westphalia team. I've been lucky enough, again, I've, I've been out to their factory in Raider Bidenbrook probably four or five times now, I think. I don't know. And every time I've been there, I think it's fair to say that, that you know, it's got more and more packed out with production. Because I first went there two or three years ago when Nugget was just starting to be launched around the wider markets in Europe, because initially it was just a German thing. I think. And then in a few years, that's expanded out to, to other markets. And, you know, each year I've gone there, they seem to have less and less space on the line,
0: which is great, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, this uh, the, the, that's it. as I said, that sector of the market is so so uh, buoyant, isn't it? Yeah, yes. So just, t- just remind me what you said about the new, the new Transit Custom. The, is, is a battery, a plug-in hybrid and then, yeah. a pu- and then a pure electric model. Is that what a BEV is? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah so yeah.
1: to, we're going to we're going to plug in the hybrid and then a, yeah. a pure electric as well correct yeah okay so are there any figures for those yet or is that still under wraps in terms of in terms the of range range stuff yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But so the range the range is out there at the minute so i think it's indicative yeah yeah minute, so it's not not finalized yeah not confirmed because it has to go through various mission procedures testing procedures but i think yeah. i to the website and you'll see for for the bev uh, in terms of what we call WLTP yeah. I think it's around about 380 kilometres, if I'm correct. Right. And then on the PHEV, in terms of when you're driving fully electric, I believe that's around about 57 kilometres.
0: Right, yeah. Okay, cool. And does that, if it's, a, if it's well, obviously the electric motorhomes camper campgrounds are a hot topic and everyone's waiting for this sort of these to enter the market, but how, how easy is it to, is it more complicated converting a, an electric the, the bed version? Is it I'm just thinking about you've got batteries on the floor and water yeah. tanks and I don't know, whatever else.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's I mean from from the great thing is is you know if you consider you know, we've already got the e Transit product out oh, there. Yes. And I know I know you've you've I think seen the vehicle, the prototype vehicle, the first Yes, yes. Right. and and I think it uh, very, looked very production ready. I might add. Yeah, it, it looks, it does look good, and I think, I think, I'm hoping it won't be too long before we, let's say, we'll see some of those on the road. This, this, yeah. But I guess you don't know what the range is going to be like once it's been
0: converted, because you are adding weight to it, really, aren't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the challenging thing with the camper because, yeah. the challenging thing with this industry is that you, you know, the conversion adds a lot of weight. Yeah. In some cases, it also can affect the you can affect the aerodynamics of the vehicle depending on what you're adding to the outside. You know things like windows.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Yes.
1: Yes. Like you know if, you know there's vehicles out there now with pop you know pop up roofs even in the two tone segment of the business. So yeah, you have to be very careful with things like that. So it's, it's yeah. the way, but it's the aerodynamics. And and the thing is within the leisure industry, obviously the you know the customer use case is at the far end of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. Many people want to be doing significant miles
0: in In a in a vehicle.
1: Yeah. So yeah. it is certainly challenging. Uh, yeah. I think we've got, I think we've got a, you know, in terms of coming back to the, the way you convert it, you know, the great thing if I just take e transit as an example. Yeah. For the most part, the e transit really is the same as the non electric version, right? From an interior perspective, you know, equivalent to a real drive diesel transit van, many. Mm-hmm are very similar mm-hmm. yes there are certainly challenges as soon as anyone wants to drill a hole in the floor yeah. you start to get a little bit nervous <laughs> would, yes but that but that's again that's a great thing so what what we do in ford is that we have something called body equipment mounting manual we call it the BEM for sure and what that does is it's, it's an instruction guide to the converters in terms of what they can and can't do when right. the vehicle so if if they're not sure about something or they don't know what what they can and can't do or how to connect something up where they can drive, yeah. you know, there's the guide out there ready for them to download to tell them what to do and, and to give advice. but i think it's it's the case now that the converters are having to probably modify some of their ways of working you know considering where they place certain components whether they continue to place them under the floor or whether they can bring them inside of the vehicle mm-hmm ideally what you would do is you would you would not touch the underneath of the vehicle when it comes to an electrified product yeah so but the, you know and the great thing is about this industry is there's so much innovation out there that any challenge you can come up with the designers the developers within each of these companies can they'll come up with a solution
0: so yeah 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 just a new new way of thinking because thinking around it but it's definitely going to come isn't it
1: yeah, yeah, you know, abs- absolutely. EV is the future. I think. I think it's you know, it's only a case of time, really. I think. I think the leisure industry is possibly going to be one of the perhaps slowest.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, to
1: take up the the, the EV vehicles. Yeah. I, I think to be honest, I don't. I don't even necessarily think it will be the capability of the product that, that will hinder the industry. I think the capability of the products will be there. You know, technology is improving all the time. Mm-hmm. Updates all the time that make it better and better. Range will improve. Yeah or i think yeah. the biggest challenge there is probably the the wider infrastructure absolutely i was just going to
0: say that I, I couldn't agree more
1: yeah yeah i think i think you know you know some of the it's talking to some you know some of the people in the industry it's okay you've got a campsite and that campsite now needs to install 30 electrical vehicle chargers. if everyone plugs their vehicle in overnight you know just the town that's next to the campsite do they have any power left to, to, to <laughs> the town to keep the lights on in the houses or, or not <laughs> yeah you probably need a bigger substation and the substation needs so on and so forth it just goes on and on
0: i've just done an interview i, mean, I think this current week's issue is an interview with the campsite owner and we t- talked a lot about electricity and not just the c- rising cost of it, but the fact that c- consumers and camp- users are coming onto campsites now with yeah, plug-in hybrids and blah, 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 blah. So they, they've got to work out a best way of managing that. It's been a bit of a contentious issue amongst yeah, consumers as well. People thinking that they're charging their van on site, and there's other people that are subsidising the cost of that, blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot of issues and a lot of campsites in rural areas just don't have the electric infrastructure. So mm-hmm. full stop, that's a problem. But something will work itself out eventually whether whether charging on route to somewhere or wherever It, as you say technology is coming along all the time yeah yeah and i think it's just a matter of time now
1: really so i I think we'll see i think we'll see things speed up i think so as the technology improves as as more and more governments come on board with you know rollouts whether that be through national grid or otherwise right getting the infrastructure out there yeah and it will just it will just take a little bit of time i think
0: yeah, it will. It's, it's relatively early days, isn't it? Still for, for the whole um, electric vehicle market. Yeah, but growing rapidly. It's not going to, as you say, not going away at all, is it? No, not not going away at all. And and so I think I think it will be
1: a. I think we'll still see diesel around for a number of years. You know, of course yeah. there's always increasing legislation when it comes to emissions requirements, and you know, each each time we get a new EU six or you know, next one EU seven emissions update, that that proves challenging, and it's. You know, I, I think we'll we'll have to see. I think we'll see at that point in time whether that's that's the the time when people really start to move into electrified vehicles and maybe out of diesels. But uh, yeah, interesting. We'll have to watch this space.
0: Yes, definitely watch this space. Watch this space. Now, you wanted to talk. You mentioned about connect, connectivity, and you wanted to talk about that. What what does that involve? Is that just all the latest tech in the in the cab? Yeah, so well it, it, it's certainly part of that. So for a
1: number a number of years now, Ford have actually had almost a standard modems built into the vehicles. So what this has meant is that you effectively have a smart connected vehicle. I mean, everything is is pretty much smart elsewhere
0: in our lives now, from our watches to our phones to our TVs. Yeah, my washing machine is, is connected as well. I've got can't quite why I need to do that, but yeah.
1: <laughs> and so for a number of years, that, that has been true. Also for Ford vehicles. Now, I think that the interesting thing again is that from from the leisure industry perspective, is that Ford don't actually have necessarily a touch point with the end customer because the vehicle is bought from a, a camper dealership. Know, whatever. All oh, right, it. yes. It's sold by a camper dealer. So the the end user of the vehicle, the end customer never, never actually sees a Ford person. And I actually think connectivity and the fact that these vehicles are connected is probably one of our best kept secrets because you can very easily download the Ford parts, connect that to your vehicle, and it actually opens up a bunch of really cool features. And just to say, first and foremost, this doesn't cost you a penny. This is yeah. kind of... It's totally free, right? You don't, you don't have to pay for this app. You, you know, it's free to download app. I'm, of course, being where I work, I've got two full vehicles sat on the drive, both, both of which are connected for par. So mm-hmm. on, a, on a cold morning, for example, as they're starting to get a little bit colder now, yes, from the comfort of my home, I can actually rule my vehicle up. Uh, nice. I can start my vehicle. I can set a certain temperature. I can get the heated seats going. I can get the heated steering wheel going. And that's without the engine running. So on an electric vehicle. Oh uh, yeah, that's without the engine running. But yeah. on a on a uh, on a diesel or petrol, yes, the engine would would need to be running for that. Oh. That's I
0: was wondering. Yeah,
1: but there's other stuff in there as well, and and, and stuff that again, I think. Could be really useful for leisure customers. You know, one of one of my favourite features is Guard. So, what you can do is you can basically turn Securiguard on on your phone, and it will alert you as to if anyone actually opens the doors of your vehicle. Whether, oh, really, whether whether they've got a key or not. So, if yeah, vehicle somewhere you've walked away from it, you know, for whatever reason, yeah, turn this on, and if someone goes and opens the doors, you'll get a you'll get a message. Which which I think you know, given the nature of the expense of leisure vehicles and how precious people are in, you know, making sure they're secure. Yeah. It's just another little bonus in there. And and there's other stuff as well. I mean, you can, you can remote unlock, unlock and lock your vehicle. Should you need someone to get access to it when you're not near it? You've got all the roadside assistance in there. If you need service support, you can contact dealers directly from the app. So I think that there's a ton of functionality in there. That's just growing and growing and all, All customers need to do is turn it on, right? As long as they've got a phone, download the app, activate it, and away you go. So, yeah, I I like to think of it as Ford's best-kept secret. Okay. It's not a
0: secret anymore. It's out there now. (laughs) Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, that's that's been really interesting. Is there anything else you want to mention or think would be useful to know? I think... I think I would just, you know, I'd just like to say, you know, first of all, thank you to
1: to all the, the customers and, you know, the, the converters that I've been working with. I, you know, I very much appreciate their their patience with with me as I've been on a steep learning curve over the last six months. And I think, you know, I'm really looking forward to to being in this industry for hopefully a, a significant period of time. And, you know, I really appreciate the relationships I'm building and I look forward to getting out there, traveling Europe and meeting more and more converters and look forward to seeing their products right because it's it's exciting there's so much there's still so much innovation out there every time i go to a show i see something new and interesting yeah uh, and and it's just great to see what ideas they're coming up with and of course i'm
0: looking forward to seeing them on ford chassis uh, yeah well it's a, it's a, it's a lovely uh, industry to be working in so uh, before we finish that i've got a few quick fun questions yeah if you could say today well i was gonna say caravan or motorhome i think in your case it would be a ford motorhome on holiday anywhere in the world where would you like to go oh so
1: i think i would love to go back to the USA. I would love to go. North America, the I, I was very lucky a few years ago. I went out there with my wife and we went to some of the national parks in towards the West Coast. And the, you know, the West, you know, the West Coast is fantastic, but the national parks, Yosemite, Sequoia are just fantastic scenery. And I think to drive around those national parks in a in a nice Winnebago style Ford motor
0: (laughs) yeah good answer well done that's very good that sounds wonderful actually i would love to do that as well and if you you had a magic wand what would you wish for to benefit the the leisure vehicle caravan industry as a whole oh that one i think that one's easy and
1: i think i think i'm not only will it benefit the leisure industry i think it will benefit me personally and that's getting the supply situation (laughs) back to normality. absolutely let's let's get back to a normal world i think
0: yeah i can mean, appreciate where you're coming from on that and, w- and what do you like most about this working in this leather vehicle industry so I think I think first of all it's it's given me a fantastic opportunity
1: to get out there and and travel around Europe, meet customers. I think it's fair to say there's many many jobs involved that you could do for a whole lifetime and never actually get out there and see some of the some of the real world. So being able to do that in this job is is fantastic. I think you know the the people I meet are really interesting. The passion they've got for the products is is fantastic, and also I, I find it a really rewarding journey. That when you know you go through. Some some challenges, but when you get to the other side of those challenges and you see the fantastic products that they've made and the fact they're also winning awards, it's just so
0: rewarding. So yeah, that's good, that's nice. And I always ask people, caravan or motorhome, what would be your first choice for holiday? but I think you're going to be a bit biased on that one again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it's difficult not not to be biased. <laughs> I would say I love I love the
1: fact that with for me with a caravan, I think there's there's no compromise should we say so if you want you want a, a bit more space a bit more luxury caravan i think is probably the way to go but i must admit i'm not a big fan of having to tow something so i think for ease of use i would i would go for a motor
0: yeah, I, uh, yeah that's true I, I i love towing but nevertheless a motor is, is he, yeah you stop and you're yeah, there there's no messing about so yeah just doesn't tick the boxes for convenience definitely so last question then if you could have a, a barbecue on a, on a campsite beside your fourth camper van with three people celebrities pol- politicians dead or alive other than family or friends who would you like that to be
1: so, so first of all john let me just say this is by far the most difficult question <laughs> i've been thinking about this for some time i'm, I'm not other interviewees are the same, but this this was challenging. So first of all, I would pick Sir Lewis Hamilton. Oh uh, yes, I'm a bit of a Formula One fan. Cool. And I think what I think what he's done for motorsport and for just British sport in general is is so underrated. I think you know he's he's you know, fantastic what he's done, seven world championships now, and I'd love to sit down and have a conversation with him. So he'd be my number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, I always like a bit of comedy. So I would love to have Victoria Wood. Excellent. Yeah. You know, to I, I grew up watching programs such as Dinner Ladies and, and <laughs> yeah. to be having a barbecue and, and to sat there and hear some of the tales would be fantastic. Yes. And my... Last one, which is maybe a little bit random, perhaps, I don't know, but it's it would be John Belushi. And the reason for that is there's two two elements. Number one, he's one of the main actors in one of my favourite films, which is the Blues Brothers.
0: Oh, yes, yes, yes.
1: And on top of that, the link to that is I absolutely love the music as well, so I get I get the benefit of you know film and music all from from that one person. So that would be my three.
0: That's really good. I love people's answers to this question. It's great. <laughs> and you didn't go for Henry Ford, so, so I, I'll, I'll let you off that one. it would be not <laughs> i down as number four. <laughs> brilliant Ryan. thank you very much this has been really really good fun really and I look forward to actually meeting you in in person at some stage I hope to see you at the NEC or the hopefully before Düsseldorf next year yeah absolutely yeah but yeah go. keep in touch good luck with everything and um, we will speak again soon yeah thanks John it's been a pleasure yeah thank you very much there I hope you found that episode interesting I thought he was as I said really open and honest have to commend him for that and doesn't sound like he's got an easy job at the moment, has he? Too many too many customers for not enough vehicles. That's going to be a challenging situation for anyone to deal with, but uh, he seems a really nice guy and I'm sure he is doing his job as best as he can. Next week's episode is let me look, episode 21. Oh, I've got an interview about the outjoyment report from the Camping and Caravanning Club, including speaking to one of the professors involved in the research on that. That was a really positive thing, showing how, how camping, caravanning, and motorhome holidays are good for good for people that do it, and obviously that benefits the whole industry. So we'll have a bit of a, a dive into that next week. In the meantime, take care. Thank you very, very much for listening. If you get a chance to leave a review or do a five-star five review, that would be really fantastic to help and um, promote this podcast to more listeners. So that's all all for now. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it and would really appreciate it if you could share it with as many people as possible. Even better, please give me a five-star review in iTunes. It would be a great help. If you'd like me to interview you, want to suggest someone to interview or are interested in sponsoring this podcast or want to get in touch with me for any reason, please drop me a line at john at rawlingscommunications.com Or message me on Instagram at Rawlings underscore comms. Thanks very much. Bye for now.